week in Revolt Black News, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And similar to how our country treats black history in the month of February, or even this month-long election season, we want to look at what happens when these issues are not spotlighted. Do we still care? Yeah, of course. Do we wish others cared more? Absolutely. Do we wish these things weren't issues to begin with? Facts. But what's behind all of these issues are three words. Black Lives Matter. Now listen, black women with breast cancer die at a higher rate than any other ethnic group or race in this country. So when it comes to the pink ribbons, yes, it's another way to raise our black fist in the air and say black lives matter. Yes, because y'all black should never be a death sentence. Black should always stand at the opportunity of empowerment. And now it's time for action. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now, we are less than two weeks away from this historic general election, so we're going to have a conversation with both sides of the aisle. Now, we're going to kick things off by talking with and about Black women. So joining me first are a couple of Black queens that are working behind the scenes at the Biden-Harris campaign. We have Ashley Allison. She's the National Director of Coalitions, Biden for President. She's joining. Also with us is Falana Williams. Now, Falana is consultant for surrogate strategy and engagement for Biden-Harris 2020. Falana also serves as director for Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms' Office of Film and Entertainment. Falana, Ashley, welcome to you both. Ashley, one of the things that I know the Biden-Harris ticket is proud of is the fact that a Black woman is not only visibly on this ticket as the vice presidential candidate, but Black women are all up and through this campaign um, on a behind-the-scenes level. Talk to me about why that's important uh, and why that was important to you in your decision to work with this campaign. Black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. We show up every election cycle and we show out. And we do that because we believe that the Democratic Party has policies that will be for our family and for us. Um, when I joined the campaign, one of the big questions that I asked General O'Malley Dillon, our campaign manager, is that what voice will I have in this campaign? Can I show up as my full, authentic Black woman self. Um, I don't know how to do that any other way but to show up as myself, but it was a welcome environment. And as I've been here over the summer, I've seen all of my colleagues being able to really bring their lived experience, um, the Black women, the Black men on the campaign. And there are so many of us here in headquarters and across the state leading this effort, making sure we get a victory in November. Okay, indeed. Now, you said something that was extremely important to me. Uh, it's why I do this work, and that is about the importance of representation. Uh, and representation is important. Uh, it's hard to be what you don't see. And uh, Kamala Harris obviously thinks it's important. She even tweeted a photo of you, Ashley, where she said that she is proud that her campaign staff reflects the diversity of America. But I will tell you, um, some of uh, our viewership here at Revolt, uh, they appreciate the importance of of uh, representation, but it's not just enough, right, to visually represent because we look the same. The question is beyond that, Ashley. Can you tell us a bit about how the policies of the Biden-Harris campaign reflect and represent a better way of life for Black people? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
I, at the heart of myself, I'm an activist and an advocate. And so I want policies that are going to improve the lives of Black folks. So a couple of things. I want people who are listening and watching to think about this. How many of you make less than $400,000 a year? I know I do. Well, under Biden-Harris, your taxes will not be raised. Um, you, will, you will be a part of the middle class. $400,000. Most people can't even imagine how to make that much money. Um, under a tax uh, Trump plan that he actually ran on and passed through Congress, it's only for the 1%. Um, for folks who want to go to college and maybe need Pell Grants, the Biden-Harris administration makes Pell Grants and student loans more accessible, but they also don't want that cloud of student loan debt that God knows I have over my head from my law degree. Um, they're same, saying you make less than 100. Sis. Right, girl? It's like, free me. <laughs> um, they're saying if you make less than $125,000 a year, that you can go to public school, uh, public college for free. Um, I don't own my home. I live in a city. I'm in this apartment. But I've, as under the Biden and Harris administration, if you are a first term, first time home buyer, you get a $15,000 credit. That's transformative for people, for black women, for single women, for black men to be able to finally get a step ahead. I fundamentally believe representation matters, but not just as a show pony, right? We need people and, and not just black people can represent us. Joe Biden has a history of making sure around the Voting Rights Act, around civil rights laws, that black people would be protected it. And the most important thing I think about this administration is when they are elected, and I'm claiming it on November 3rd, when they are elected and they're inaugurated in January, you can hold them accountable. You can say, Joe, Kamala, you promised this to me and I want to see you put it into action. And I fundamentally, fundamentally believe they will commit and, and see it through. I want to know a bit about what it's like just uh this coalition of black women that you are a part of, Alana. Uh, we spoke, of course, with Ashley Allison. We know Simone uh, Sanders is, is a big part of this campaign. And Essence put out this fantastic piece of a long, long list of black women such as yourself that are really deep into the throes of leadership on this campaign. Um, it looks a bit of a sisterhood to me, but tell me what it's like. Well, how is it like working with all these other dynamic black women? Uh, how do you all work? with the broader campaign at large. I know you're each in different capacities. Just tell me what's, what's the vibe like? The overall experience, you know, with me working with, with black men, black women on this campaign have been incredible. I would be remiss to say this about black women though, is that we really don't have the luxury as black women of, of getting this wrong. And, and I can see that mm. on this campaign. Like we're very intentional and it's, it's so amazing to see all of these diverse black women coming together from different walks of life, from different parts of the country, um, from different backgrounds, we know what's at stake for us. And black women oftentimes, you know, we find ourselves in a position of, of leadership in the household. And, you know, I think we yeah. each take our individual journey and we, you know, we bring that to the campaign. And so when I think of someone, you know, and what the Trump administration has done, you know, from rolling back, you know, strides that we've made in the education system. You know, he's rolled back legislation that held schools account accountable for student progress. That's no longer mm. something that's happening in our country. He's rolled back um, legislation and said that, you know, health insurance, women can't use their health insurance for contraception. 
again, we can't get this wrong. Black women, you know, I think we've always had this innate um, sense of doing, not only doing the right thing, but making the right decision, not only for ourselves and our families, but for black people all around the country. So I want to talk, Falana, a bit about where black women have been involved in the, the Biden campaign pre the selection of Kamala Harris as the vice presidential nominee um, and where black women uh, sit right now inside of this historic candidacy. So talk a bit about what it looked like in those early days where there was a big, huge primary and people kind of weren't sure where folks were going to fall and and why, if you can, speak to maybe why Mayor Bottoms felt the need to come out early for Biden. I, I know that Mayor Bottoms made the decision to come out early because we actually needed to hear someone speak from our perspective, from the voice of Black people. Um, she mm-hmm. came out really early for uh, Vice President Biden because Honestly, she has a lot of foresight and she saw this time coming. She saw a time mm-hmm. of us needing, you know, not, I mean, this was a year ago, needing to see our faces support Vice President Biden. Like, honestly, the Trump campaign is very, very strategic and they will not stop, not even a lot, not even at lying. They will lie to create these false narratives of what's happening right now in our country. And we needed to see people like Mayor Bottoms at the forefront um, of the Biden campaign and now Biden-Harris campaign talking to us about what is true and what's real. You know, and oftentimes it's hard because when you see, you know, others talking for us, you don't know who to believe. So it's, it's really important that, you know, Black people see other Black people talking for us and Black people that we trust. So, you know, yeah. they, we always say it, but not all black folk are kinfolk. So it, that's and a true statement. And in this time period, you know, it's, it's more true than not. Ashley, Falana, thank you both so much for your insights and your time and the work you are doing on this campaign. Now, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into today's headlines. And later on, we're going to hear from some varying perspectives, including one from Chris Prudhomme. He is a Republican. So stick around. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Here are today's headlines. We start with Breonna Taylor news. Jefferson Circuit Court Judge Annie O'Connell ruled that an anonymous grand juror may speak publicly about the case of Breonna Taylor. Here's the jury's attorney. Let's watch. Neither of our grand jurors are in this for any type of a claim. They're not really seeking that media attention. They wanted to contribute to the truth and transparency of this proceeding. Okay, so a few things to keep in mind here. The first is that we know the juror's motion was filed in the first place because that juror claimed that Attorney General Daniel Cameron used the grand jury to deflect accountability and responsibility. Now, y'all, we know that police brutality is sadly rampant in this country and mostly because accountability for the unlawful killing of Black men and women in this country is never met with accountability. So I think this is an incredibly important first step to that type of accountability. We also know that grand jury proceedings uh, often remain in in complete secrecy. Uh, We don't even know that they have been convened, and many times we don't know their outcomes. Uh, We know that in this case, the judge said that the historic reasons for that level of secrecy do not apply. And oftentimes, again, grand juries leave us with more questions than answers. Uh, So the fact that this juror will be now allowed to speak publicly and tell us a bit about what went on in that secret proceeding, a bit about what evidence was uh, presented to them, what evidence was not. 
whose testimony they heard, whose they did not hear, it will likely give us a lot of insight onto the proceedings themselves and, of course, that outcome that did not hold a single officer accountable for the killing of Breonna Taylor. And in the days since the judge's ruling, Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly, who was one of the three officers cleared of charges, claimed Breonna Taylor's death did not concern race. Let's watch. This is not relatable to George Floyd. This is nothing like it. It's not an Ahmaud Arbery. It's nothing like it. It's not a race thing like people want to try to make it to be. It's not. This is a point where we were doing our job. We returned fire. And here's Sergeant Mattingly when asked in hindsight what he would have done differently. We would have either served the no-knock warrant or we would have done the normal thing we do, which is five to ten seconds, to not give people time to formulate a plan, not give time, people time to get their senses so they, they have an, an idea of what they're doing. Because if that had happened, I'm telling you, Mike, if that had happened, Brown Taylor would be alive. And in the case of George Floyd, a Hennepin County judge has dropped third-degree murder charges against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. The ruling says that the evidence does not show Chauvin's actions were, quote, imminently dangerous to other persons, end quote. Now, Chauvin still faces charges of second-degree unintentional murder and second-degree manslaughter in George Floyd's death. And numerous health experts are saying to the public that the darkest days of this pandemic may be in front of us. Now, here's Michael Osterholm, the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, who spoke on the next six to 12 weeks. Let's listen. Next six to 12 weeks are going to be the darkest of the entire pandemic. According to the NBC News count, cases in 38 states and D.C. have increased at least 10% in the last two weeks. 30 states have risen 25% or more, including New York. Hear those facts again, y'all. We have to listen to the science, the doctors, and the experts. And if we do choose to listen to politicians, we have to ask ourselves, are they listening to the doctors, to the science, to the experts? Uh, And if they're not... Why would that be the case? What political interest are they putting in front of American lives? And news broke last night that both Iran and Russia are interfering in our election. Here's the director of national intelligence, John Ratliff, with the announcement. This data can be used by foreign actors to attempt to communicate false information to registered voters that they hope will cause confusion, sow chaos, and undermine your confidence in American democracy. And with tonight's final presidential debate, many are looking at how the Commission on President Debates have established new rules that are going to take effect in this particular debate. Now, one of the new rules states that the opponent's mics will be muted while the other gives their initial two-minute answer to the debate questions. Now, during the open discussions, though, the mics will be on and We can only imagine what to expect if previous debates tell us anything. We know that Trump had an unprecedented 128 times that he interrupted Biden in that first debate. Uh, And that was actually a a huge uptick from the interruptions he had against Hillary Clinton. Uh, He actually only interrupted Hillary Clinton 51 times back when they were debating last uh, cycle. So, listen, I think it's an important step that the uh, commission had to take by muting these mics. Uh, I only think that they should be muted probably a little bit more than that initial two minutes. But again, we will watch as these two go head to head for the final presidential debate before an election of our lifetime. And former President Barack Obama hopped on the campaign trail in his first stump speech for Joe Biden. Here he is yesterday in Philadelphia. 
You've got to have a plan. You've got to put in the work. And along with the experience to get things done, Joe Biden has concrete plans and policies that will turn our vision of a better, fairer, stronger country into a reality. And in endorsement news, we know the rapper 50 Cent let it be known in an Instagram post that he is with the president and his post, as you might imagine, was met with large support from the political right. Uh, Y'all, we know 50 lives in the petty. Um, He was very uh, clear and honest about the fact that the only reason he is supporting Trump is because of his tax plans for the wealthy, the 1% of this country. Uh, 50 even said, quote, "Uh, I don't care. Trump don't like black people. Um, Okay, that's clear, 50 Cent. So this is just another example. Um, This time, one of us putting their own individual interest above that of the collective community. Uh, I got to say, I'm a fan of 50 Cent as an artist and a producer, uh, so I hate to see it. And civil unrest continues to rise in Nigeria. Many people have reportedly been killed in the streets of Lagos as the Nigerian army and police allegedly open fire on protesters. Let's look. It's been building over the course of the past two weeks. A protest against an unpopular police unit has turned into something else, a challenge to the government's ability to rule. This is a developing story. So head over to revolt.tv for more updates. And in some bittersweet news, the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. is remembering the Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant. They're putting Bryant's 2008 Finals jersey on display. Now, the museum sports curator, Damian Thomas, expressed the importance of Kobe's legacy by saying this. It really is about the cultural significance of basketball as an expression of the African American fight for greater rights. All right, now we've got more commercials on the way. When we come back, Chris Prudhomme joins us for a discussion about President Trump and his black support. I promise you don't want to miss it. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now, early in the episode, we spoke to some black women who are doing important work on the Biden-Harris campaign. So it's only right that we hear from the opposite perspective. So joining us now is Chris Prudholm. He's a Republican strategist and a frequent guest for Fox News. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. You've spoken about the fact that, of course, the numbers bear out that black people represent but a small minority of the Republican Party. Uh, Overwhelmingly Democrat in this country has been the case pretty much since the 60s. Um, But you call it a strong minority within the party. Here's my question. What do you think the GOP does for our culture and community that maybe uh, the other 80, 90 percent of so black registered voters don't see or understand? Well, I don't think it's that they don't see it. I think the GOP has, has not had the best job in marketing, frankly. Who has done the best is President Trump. And I think he's done you're speaking about marketing job. or are you speaking about policy? I just want to make sure that we're on the same well, page. Well, you can call it what you want, branding, marketing. The reality is that they have not done a good job. Oh, no, job those are two different things, right, though, Chris? Well, they haven't, they haven't done a good job, Ebony, at conveying a message. And, but the reality is that President Trump has. And here, here's, okay. here's the reality of what it is. I mean, the fact that you know, it's released over 20,000 uh, individuals from prison through the first step back, to me, through the first step back, uh, I think it's absolutely an incredible move. Um, be, largely before his platinum plan, the things that he has done, that he has done, is absolutely phenomenal. Look at Opportunity Zones. Uh, look at HBCUs, $360 million, and obviously opening up permanent funding. But they haven't uh, got that money yet, though, Chris, and you know that. You know those HBCUs haven't gotten that money yet. So I'm a registered independent. Um, And one of the reasons I'm an independent is that I believe black people 
should not uh, give away our political power and our political best interests should be on the line on both sides of the political aisle. I have to say, I don't think the Democrats maximized what they should be doing on behalf of our people. I'm the first to say it and I'll continue to say it. But on the other side of that, Chris, I don't think the Republicans have done much of anything. I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about the whole political party. When blacks tend to be culturally pretty conservative, uh, we believe in traditional, quote, family values. And, and, and I know a lot of black people like myself uh, are big into entrepreneurship. So it seems That's like right. there's an opportunity, Chris, for the GOP to contend for the black vote, but they haven't yeah. done it. It seems as if they cut their nose off to spite their face. So tell me how you see it. You are absolutely right in regards to the GOP has not done the best uh, in, in terms of conveying a message, in terms of outreach to the black community. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, and, and I think it's very frustrating, even for me being a, a black conservative, <clears throat> even prior to Trump, as you as you were. And, you know, I, I obviously defend the party. and But I also speak truth to what it is. I, I don't just obviously make stuff up. Mm-hmm. As we know right now, law enforcement is a big issue. Yes, there are some bad apples. We all acknowledge that. And yes, there uh, are issues that take place on a daily basis. Should I've even been through my own thing in terms of having an issue, uh, you know, in terms of being a stereotype, so to speak, with law enforcement when I don't have a suit on. And I had a, and frankly, I had. Yeah, a, you're I, a black man in America. I, I would expect, I would expect that. Uh, sadly, yeah. I actually had a gun put on me uh, in D.C. And it, it was very, actually, recently, mm. it was very, very scary, extremely scary. And it was unnecessary. And it was, it was a white cop, and he was just so, just absolutely crazy. And it was all over me not wearing a mask. That's how that's how we got into a disagreement, uh, you know, so to speak. And then, but it wasn't. He didn't have to put a gummy. Is my point. Right. Let's talk about Ice Cube. We know uh, Ice Cube has made national headlines. Some would say he broke the internet over the past few days uh, with his confirmed uh, meeting and cooperation with the Trump administration about the so-called Platinum Plan. What's your take, Chris? I'm curious to know what's your take of Ice Cube's involvement and influence on Trump's Platinum Plan. And why is it called a platinum plan? Is that is that some cash money millionaire bling bling type of stuff? No, no, like, but now you know, now you know it's not. They, they probably don't know who cash money is. That's what I thought about. Okay. <laughs> Look, he looked at a certain element. He went to the Biden camp first. And uh, from my understanding, uh, he was told they can discuss it after the election. And that, and I, to me, what's the point in doing? It's about now. Now Kamala Harris, but just to put the fact out there, Chris, Kamala Harris and her camp says that Kamala did invite Cube to have a discussion right now and he declined. Well, I'm sure they did now, but that was after the fact. Of course they did. That's politics. People were tired of that. Look, the reality is that at least with Trump, you know what you're getting. Uh, are, are some of the things that he said challenging at times? Yes. Uh, uh, do people get frustrated by, by some of the tones? Challenging yeah. at times. That's well, an interesting way to put it, brother Chris. Challenging at times when he called for the execution of young black boys who were not convicted of anything that later turned out to be innocent. I, I indeed say that's challenging, but let's let's talk about politics because you brought it up. This president's been in office for almost four years, Chris. He has the power of the pen. We know he's exercised executive uh, orders, which is his right, or he could tell his Republican Senate to create legislation to implement that. So I'm, I'm skeptical, not just because it's Trump. Let's put that aside for a second. It could have been Romney. It could have been Bush. It could have been Obama, actually. If you're a sitting president, don't come to me with no plan. Come to me with the policy. What's your reaction to that? He has to be able to come to people and say, here is my plan. And, and people can give their feedback, their thoughts, to whether it changes, whether the case may be. Then we can say, okay, let's implement this, implement this into actual policy. Because here's the thing, everybody, you and I both know, if he were to say, okay, mm-hmm. here's mm-hmm. what we're doing, people would say, well, well, you're missing this, you're missing that, you don't care about this, you don't care about that. So either way, either way it goes, he gets heat either way it goes. 
The fact that even mm-hmm. recognize Juneteenth as a federal holiday, the fact he even understands that there's a, a shortage and we need half a billion dollars access to capital for, you know, uh, and we, we home ownership for black for, uh, for, for black families and it increased. Now he gets it. He understands uh-huh. it. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm, I hope you're right, Chris. I hope he does get it. So that means I hope that he will not deny rental access to black folks anymore and have to get sued in the federal government like he did before and his daddy. Um, before I let you go, Chris, do I do want to ask you about uh, t- tonight's presidential debate. We're going to see the final debate of President Trump and Vice President Biden. Um, what do you expect to see? What do you think will be different and what will remain consistent? I think the tone uh, will be a little bit different. Obviously, they've announced they're, they're going to be muting the mic so they can't interrupt each other. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because um, even when, even when they are not directly interrupting each other, so to speak, uh, that could be a bad thing because you can just cut someone off in mid-sentence. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, me, personally, I think the town halls are more effective, but uh, for those two individuals at least. I, I just want folks, and I'll be quick, I just want look, I just want folks to understand on both sides of that, we're in a very tumultuous time, uh, and it should not matter who you support, uh, and you should, it shouldn't be a hatred thing. It shouldn't be us or nothing attitude. And I think that's where the problem is at now. It shouldn't be because, oh, I'm a black conservative, you support Trump, whether you're Cuba or me, anybody else. A person should be free and safe to support whoever they want, and it shouldn't be a hostility. And I think if anything people can take away from this is that we all have to come back down to reality and say, look, we are in America. We can vote for who we want to vote for and have our perspective views. And that's it. I just want people to remember that element yeah. there. And listen, that's why we wanted to do this segment, Chris. I appreciate you um, for showing up in your authenticity because that's important. Uh, We value that. Uh, Personally, I value that because you know my close friends, so you know I value that. You also know we value that here at Revolt Black News. We don't tell people what to think on this show and at this network. What we do is try to provide platforms for individuals like yourself um, and many others to, to, to share their truth, to share their facts, um, so that our audience, our people, our culture can make informed decisions. So for that, Chris, I want to thank you for your time and your insights. Um, and thank you for joining the show. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, yes, Sister Danielle Young, Queen of Content, joins us for all things Black excellence. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now it's time to get into this week's Black Excellence. We are joined by the content queen herself, Miss Danielle Young, back to help me out. Danielle, welcome back to the show. We love you here at Revolt Black News, sis. Listen, I'm glad to be back. Thank you so much for having me. You look amazing yourself there, Ebony. Thank you, sis. Uh, Okay, so we're going to start with the Underground Railroad. Now, this is a limited series for Amazon directed by the great Barry Jenkins. Now, it's based on Colson Whitehead's novel about runaway slaves riding a literal railroad to their freedom. Now, the teaser just dropped the other day. Danielle, are we excited for this? I know I am. Listen, first of all, I'm excited about everything that Barry the Jenkins does. Um, you know, it's always Listen. with this certain level of beautiful blackness. Yeah. I just love the, the resilience of those stories. So I am excited to see what Barry the Jenkins does on this. I like that moniker here. We have another trailer we were blessed with. This one, of course, featuring the King Chadwick Boseman, his final film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It also stars the legendary Viola Davis. Now, this is Netflix, of course. Um, we have a huge expectation already, and it's based on August Wilson's play of the same name, and it's scheduled for a December 18th release. Danielle, how do we feel? Oh, so many feelings. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Such a huge, huge loss. It's awesome to be able to still see his legacy 
even after we've mm-hmm. lost him. So it's, it's it's a nice little reminder of his talent and Viola Davis. <laughs> you know she's going to be in there slaying it for everything she is worth. And it's a lot. Will Packer, uh, he is teaming up with iHeartMedia and Doghouse Pictures. This time for a true crime podcast. And this is about the night that Muhammad Ali defeated Jerry Quarry. And it's the story that spotlights. A lot of people don't know about this story, Danielle. It's an after party where mm-hmm. hundreds of guests were robbed at gunpoint. It's going to launch October 26th, which is actually the 50th anniversary of the fight itself. What do we think about that, Danielle? I like when Black people color outside the lines, like doing things that are also, you know, within their realm of expertise, but just different. And also Will Packer, it's always top quality. So in the C-suite, Channing Dungey, uh, she, we know her, uh, she became a household name in her boss moves over at ABC Entertainment where she was president. She's also a former Netflix exec and now chairwoman of Warner Brothers Television Group. Uh, we know that she is going to do it justice, do us all proud and change the game over there. She's going to officially step into her role in early 2021. Danielle, how excited are we about this power move? After 22 whole years, this is the first time that Warner Brothers is seeing someone different in this position. Um, And for that to be a Black woman is just, mm, it feels a little bit like reparations. And it's almost like she's a prodigal daughter returning to Warner Brothers because she used to be a production executive there. Congratulations to you, Miss Channing. That's amazing. So listen, we got some more Warner Brothers news. This time, it's all about Space Jam and that amazing sequel we are all waiting on. Uh, The plot line, rather, has reportedly surfaced. So this is what it's going to be. So after being trapped in the Warner Brothers world of Bugs Bunny and all those good folks, LeBron is going to have to rescue his missing son by navigating through iconic movie scenes that we all know and love. And then ultimately, get this, he's going to play an epic basketball game to defeat the villainous all-G that, of course, is played by one of my favorites, Danielle, Don Cheadle. I love Don Cheadle, and I love when he plays a villain, right? Listen, an actor of all actors, the man can do no wrong. He's unproblematic. And then we got the unproblematic goat of LeBron and him together. I just think it's going to be epic. I think also, how cool is it to watch LeBron literally step into the shoes of Michael Jordan on and off yes. the court. You know what I mean? All right. Now, last but not least, ever least, child, Michael B. Jordan. He is set to produce a Static Shock movie based on the DC Comics character, of course. Now, Static Shock was also an animated series in the early 2000s, and that aired for about four seasons. Uh, speaking again of the Midas Touch, Michael B. Jordan, uh, this brother can do everything from a biopic to, um, you know, now we're seeing him in, in this space with DC Comics. Uh, Danielle, are we here for it? Ebony, do you even have to ask me? Am I here for anything that might be doing? <laughs> yes, yes. So and a million high. times over, I would love to see it in every which way possible. I am a champion for him because I think that his whole entire steez in Hollywood is to champion the outliers, mm. which is literally his production company. It allows kids to dream and to see themselves in fantasy, which is also something that I'm a big fan of. Um, and so, yeah, Michael B. Jordan doing anything. It's going to be a yes for me, honey. But we can't celebrate Black excellence if we're not celebrating you, Miss Thing. I just have to say congratulations to you. New podcast, Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams with my boo, Dustin Ross. I'm so excited to see what y'all are going to do. 
And congratulations again. Black excellence, honey. Yes, thank you, sis. I feel like I got set up. I know the producers put you up to that. I'm going to take them out of that later. But um, listen, Danielle, you've always been... You've always been so supportive. Um, We have seen each other on red carpets and throughout the industry. Um, And I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited to launch it on Charlemagne the Gods, the Black Effect Network, his partnership with iHeart that is about content. Yes, but it's about creating a pathway for some Black ownership in this game. We know how important that is. And I can't wait to share this with the world. So thank you, Danielle. So listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got my dear soar, Lindsay Christian. She's going to join us for an important conversation about breast cancer awareness and survival. But first, we've got a word from Big Boy and Sleepy Brown about their new song and its message. And I I think y'all are going to like it. Let's take a look. If we don't stand up, we fall down. Without exception, this matter reaches terminal velocity. So I speak for reception of this philosophy. Fight, test your might. Over here you got Big Boy, aka Dax, aka Sir Lucius L. Left Foot. The L stands for Bible because the ladies like the lip gloss on my lapel. I'm also one half of the big sleepover. Yo, my name is Sleepy Brown, aka P. Funk, mm. aka What. Yeah, and uh, you know, it is what it is. Dodger family, great generation. We the ones is the same. Stand up, so your children Stand up. This is more of an uplifting record for you know for people, not just for our people, but for people that that want to see a change and want they want things to be different. You know, so the the, the track was um, uh, Ray from Organized Noise, my partner, actually did the track. And as soon as I heard it, I just started singing that melody because it just sounded like something epic and something that needed to be said. My granddaddy and my my, my father as well was a Marine, fought in Beirut and in Vietnam. And it was just, uh, I think it just gave us a sense of discipline from them being in the military all the way down, you know what I mean, from uncles and everything. And, you know, our thing was always uh, to love each other and take care of family, and it's always family first. And be kind to people, period. We have to stop killing each other. We have to come together as a people and, and realize that we need each other. For sure. And as soon as we do that, then things can change. If we don't do that, then nothing will always stay the same. Um, uh, as far as community go, you know, you can buy black, support black business, yes, you know, yes. um, uh, and just, you know, because the value of the black dollar is power, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, we need to shop with each other. Um, and then you just, like I said, it's, it's all about uh, being kind to one another, loving each other as a, yes. as a man and as a human being, first and foremost, yes. you know, before we can get anywhere. I don't care who you vote for, what side you're on. You have to do it as a human being and, and as a rare. And, and more importantly, too, like it's not just the the, the presidential election; it's the state and local yes. elections. Those are the ones that affect you the most because that's where your community is based. Don't just let the days go by and be like, "Oh, it's another election." It's just no, go go let your voice be heard and counted every time. You know what I mean? If you don't like a certain representative, get them out of there. You know what I mean? If you want somebody else to get in there, you got to go out there. I mean, if you got to campaign for them, spread the word, do that. 
Welcome back to Revolt Black News. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so of course we have to spotlight a disease that affects one out of every eight women. And like everything else in healthcare, it disproportionately affects us. That's right. The black community is hit harder. Now, if you have not been personally affected by breast cancer, I can guarantee you know someone who has. We've got a very special guest joining us. She's going to illuminate the issue. She's a media personality. She's a television and radio host, a professor, and most importantly, she's my friend. She's also a breast cancer survivor. So welcome to the show, Miss Lindsay Christian. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Ebony, my dear soror and friend. Of course, my dear. Um, there was no one I wanted to talk to more about this, um, not because of just our personal connection, but the work you are doing in the space, Lindsay, to be an advocate for black women with breast cancer, especially, frankly, women of our generation. Um, it's powerful and you are saving lives. So let's just get straight to it, Lindsay. Um, so we know black women are disproportionately affected by breast cancer, as we are every other health discrepancy in this country. While black women are less likely to develop breast cancer than white women, we are more likely to die from it than our white counterparts. Lindsay, why is that? We as black women have access or less access rather to healthcare. We have less access to funds to go to the doctor to pay for those follow-up diagnostic exams. We have less access to um, great health care. I mean, there are so many reasons and factors that attribute to the statistic that we as black women are more vulnerable to this disease than that of our counterparts, our white counterparts. Yeah. We know one of the reasons that black women die of breast cancer more often than white women are, is late detection. Um, so speaking of that, you were diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in your 30s. Lindsay, just walk us through your diagnosis and then what your process looked like after. Sure. In July 2019, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. I found a lump in my right breast. Like police say, if you see something, you should say something. I felt something, so I scheduled an appointment to meet with my gynecologist. What, did you find that lump doing an actual self-exam, or were you just going about your day-to-day -day and felt the lump? Touch. Self-examination. Okay. And once you were diagnosed, as you say, with triple negative, first... What is that? Um, we hear about stages one, two, three, and, and four potentially, but not a lot of us know what you mean when you say triple negative breast cancer. Lindsay, what is that? Triple negative breast cancer is a more aggressive subtype of the disease. The cancer cells grow fast, rapidly, and it's harder to treat. And unfortunately, black women are diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at a higher rate. Um, but they, mm. the earlier it's detected, the better the prognosis. So for me, because it was detected at an earlier stage, stage 2B to be exact, I had a positive okay. prognosis. It was treatable and manageable. Amen to that. Um, so you get the diagnosis, Lindsay. Again, you're in your 30s. And I just, you know, not to get on my soapbox, but girl, you know, I like to get on my soapbox. Um, <laughs> I have also had a, had a few mammograms because, um, you know, I have very fibrous uh, breast tissue and it's difficult to even see um, in, in some of my, my mammograms what's going on. So then I have to actually request, Lindsay, an ultrasound. Um, to get That's an right. even clearer picture of what's going on. And nobody ever wants to do this stuff, Lindsay, because we're not 40. So I get pushback every step of the way from the insurance companies, from the doctors themselves. And I just want to take this moment, Lindsay, to tell everybody watching this right now, um, push, advocate for yourselves. I don't care what they say. I don't care if you're, I know women, and I'm sure you do too, Lindsay, um, they've been diagnosed in their 20s 
as if you read my piece in Essence.com, The Anatomy of a Survivor, Part 2, I wrote about my cousin's story. My cousin at the age of 29 was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer when she was pregnant. Can you imagine that? Uh, and so it is important that we advocate for mammography. Beyond a traditional mammogram, a 3D mammogram, a breast ultrasound, and if necessary, an MRI. Um, now, speaking of uh, that fantastic essence piece, right now you've released two in a series of three. Um, fantastic, incredible storytelling. Uh, I would expect no less. You're a, a fantastic journalist. But you've also started a new platform called Sir Thriver. You've launched that. Lindsay, what compelled you to do it? It was a combination of how do I make a purposeful pivot coming out of just completing chemotherapy and undergoing a series of surgeries how do I share all that I've experienced with women to help them to save lives? And I created this idea of Sir Thriver. I survived breast cancer and I am now thriving in what has been a life-changing sure. journey. And so the purpose of the platform, Ebony, is to inform, inspire, and empower women around breast cancer awareness and wellness. That is my mission. Those are my goals. But one thing I love that Sir Thriver also does is focuses on educating men. Um, about breast cancer. And we have seen uh, men absolutely can be diagnosed. We know uh, Beyonce's father, Matthew Knowles, has been diagnosed and um, has had mastectomies. So what has the feedback been with your uh, Sir Thriver campaign from men? Through my Sir Thriver platform, my goal is to engage men in conversation as well, especially men, spouses, partners. It's important for those who are going through the journeys with us to understand what we are experiencing as women. So 365 days of the year, my goal is to not only inform, inspire, and empower women, but bring men along the journey too and educate them. That's fantastic. So Lindsay, before we go, we, we obviously it's October. Um, yes, that is part of the reason we are doing this segment with you. We see the pink ribbons. We see the commercials. We see um, the visibility in this month around breast cancer awareness. Um, but what's the message? What's the takeaway message for you, Lindsay Christian, um, founder of Sir Thriver? Uh, what do you want our people to know about breast cancer today? It's important that we talk about our family history. It's important that we continue the conversation beyond the month of October. Know what's happening in your body head to toe. Advocate for the test testing that will determine and, and detect mm -hmm. an early diagnosis. Um, I, I can't I can't preach to the choir enough that women under the age of 40 should schedule a mammogram, especially if you're Amy, if your grandmama, if your sister, if your mama, big mama, if any of them were diagnosed, you need to schedule your mammogram ASAP. And you should also schedule an evaluation for uh, of your genetics, genetic testing. The more you know earlier, the better. Early detection yeah. saved my life. And if it's detected, if any disease is detected early, it can save yours too. Amen, sister. Lindsay, um, are there any websites or resources you want to point people to um, if they want to know more information um, and just, you know, have more empowerment around the issue? Well, you can certainly log on to Sir Thriver, S-U-R-T-H-R-I-V-E-R. -E you can see my necklace, SirThriver.com, as I will be uploading content and in engaging in more conversation around breast cancer awareness. Uh, Cancer.org is also a very good resource as it, it maintains a log of statistics and research that I think it's important that we, we tune into. Lindsay Christian, um, a cancer thriver, 
Um, my friend, my sorority sister, um, I am encouraged by you. I admire what you are doing and thank you for all that you're doing. You keep shining and keep thriving. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Ebony, again. All right, y'all. So that's it for today's episode. Now, in terms of resources, we have given you resource upon resource on how to vote, how to register to vote, and how to vote early. Now, it's on you. It's in your hands. And until November 3rd, which, by the way, is not the only day to vote. It's only the last day to vote. Many of y'all can vote right now. But one thing I want you to pay attention to until the end of this election season is the messaging. You're going to continue to hear the Republicans talk about if the Democrats get power, they're going to pack the courts. First, I want to know what the hell does packing the court even mean? That's completely arbitrary. Uh, but I do want to give you this fact. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, remember him? A Republican president. When he was president, he, quote, so-called packed the courts by installing two additional Supreme Court justices. And you know what happened? After that, slavery was abolished. That's a fact. You can read about it. It's in our history books. But then when Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Johnson unpacked the courts and then left us with nine sitting Supreme Court justices ever since. Now, some of those courts have been favorable to our people and many have been devastating. So remember, y'all, when Republicans talk about packing the court, ask yourself, why do they keep bringing this up and why right now? And why don't Biden and Harris give a straight answer about it? Think about why that would be. Why don't they talk about this? Listen, I'm telling y'all, don't go by these headlines. Don't go by these headlines. You have to go deep, go into the history books, go into what has happened in our country before. Now, sometimes that might not lead us anywhere, but in this case, it will likely lead us to the exact path we need to be on. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time. <laughs>